Hey, what is up? Welcome to the Hypothetical Comedy Podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina. And I am Athena Rodriguez. And we are with comedian Richard Dweck. What's up, Richard? How you doing? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely, man. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Excellent. Just... Excellent. How's, uh, how's life out in New Jersey? It's good. I mean, it's, it's just always, you know, so many people. You know, we have a big scene, so... It's tough to stand out, but uh, I'm having a good time with with it, and uh, it just has been a really cool time for me. Uh, in uh, July, I hit uh, 14 years of doing comedy overall because I started in improv like seven years ago, and then uh, uh, no, yeah, like in 20, no, that was like 14 years ago. So, uh, and then. I started doing stand-up eight years ago, so it's been it's been a lot of anniversaries of me doing stand-up and comedy <laughs> and everything. It's just been it's been awesome. Well, uh, I guess happy anniversaries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you said you have a big scene out there. You know what they say about areas of big comedy scenes, right? What? They have a lot of open mics. Oh yes, a lot of open mics, and they're all stretched out, and it's it's very good. It's good, but. New Jersey is very underrated for comedy because everyone just thinks of New York and Philly as like the main, which is true, but New Jersey is very underrated. Do you go to New York and Philly for comedy? I've been to like Delaware area, oh, but Delaware. I haven't been to like Philly really. And I never did mics in New York. I want to do mics in New York. I would, when I was starting out like a year and like six months in, I was doing uh, all the bringer shows in New York, which were terrible to do. But I was just like, well, I get to perform on a stage where a lot of comedians that I love have performed on. And yeah. I guess I mean, we practice material that I've done for, you know, I get like a date and then it's like, okay, I can practice some, this material for three weeks and perform in front of an audience that is mostly my family <laughs> and they get to see me. And then I look back at these clips now. And I'm like, why? Why did they let me talk for six minutes? <laughs> like, <laughs> because like you brought people. Now I'm like, I could fucking kill it now. I look back at that stuff and I'm like, that is just why did you let a 22 year old talk for six minutes? <laughs> I think if you had, if you ran a bringer show, you should call it All Hands on Dweck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though. Uh, yeah, you know, I think we were all there, you know, uh, one to two years in the comedy. We were doing a lot of bringer shows out here in the San Francisco area. It just yeah. it just happens, you know, because when people are new to comedy, people are excited to come see you. And then when you've been doing it for a while and you're good, your friends don't want to see you anymore. No, they don't want to see you. They'll come, they'll, they'll come to that. They'll come to maybe a couple of those. And then they want to see your Netflix special. They don't want to see the, Yeah, Yeah, the and, then, and, then, and then you see pictures of them at the San Jose Improv because they went to go see Fluffy or somebody. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you'll go see Fluffy. I see. Right. <laughs> I guess I gotta get. Uh, I gotta wear shorts on stage. Right. Hell yeah, that's cool, man. Uh, what's in Delaware? You said you went to Delaware for comedy. Yeah, there was a. There's this uh, mic called Bar Thirteen that is very good, and it's it's very good because it's very um, it's very irreverent and much more like. The, it's closer to the Philly area, so they don't, they're less sensitive, and they're really good about it. So oh, I they're see. like, it's not like hacky or anything, but it's just like they accept more of a 
a darker and dirtier uh, thing, which is good for me because I I need to have that that area. And also, it's like good to work for it. That's what I always feel like. I want like it. I want like a challenge. I think when when you get too complacent, it just doesn't it just doesn't work. You're not getting any better if you're just going to the same mics and they're easy and they're just like, okay, everyone loves me here. Let's. <laughs> Because it's enticing to stay there. You're like, oh, I'll just do these five bits that everyone loves and then leave and go home. And it's like, no, I want to work out my shit. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Absolutely. And you're talking like a true, uh, you know, person that's been doing it for a long time. So you said you started improv first? Yeah, local improv. I was 16, I guess. And it was just, uh, I was singing in high school. That's what I was doing. And Oh, my wow. old drama what, teacher. I'm going to stop you for a second. Uh, what were you? What kind of songs do you did you sing? I was like, uh, well, first I did like regular music that I liked, like Green Day stuff and like uh, a lot of soft rock and stuff like that. But then when I when I continued singing in this different high school that I went to, he actually sing a lot of like Jersey Boys stuff, which is like I like that music, but it's tough on your voice because I had a very high pitch like voice i'm a 10-year singer so like my voice could go very high so what i ended up doing was at one of my talent shows the last time i ever sang in school was uh at the school that i switched to i uh i did adam sandler's song red hooded sweatshirt which is very very like high pitched and like but it's a funny song and that was the first time i ever killed like comedically singing but anyway in my in my i guess it was like in like my end of my uh i guess it was end of my uh freshman year going into my sophomore year of like uh the summer of the end of my uh freshman year i just saw a flyer on the wall for my drama teacher he was very he's very popular for uh in people my sister's age she's like four years older than me like he was popular with those people for his improv group improv jam and they do like whose lines any way type of style improv, and he's been doing it for twenty oh, over twenty fun. years. So I joined that, and I initially just wanted to do it for like I don't know, like a like a month, and then start doing stand up. But there was no stand up in my area at all, and especially I wouldn't be able to get into any clubs because I was fucking sixteen. So it was yeah. like it was like okay, I'll have to wait, and then it's like okay, seven years later, it's like okay but he realized that I wanted to do it. So we started, uh, when we started performing at this like rock and roll hall of fame place, uh, we would have, uh, I was on like the B squad. The A squad was these older improv guys, which were amazing. They do like so many amazing stuff, like so physical and like they had a lot of trust with each other. And I always like, never knew I was going to get there. And then we had comedians opening for us, like stand-up. So I was like, okay, I got to meet a lot of people that were doing it. And then my improv teacher, he like he knew that I wanted to do it. So he's like, you want to open for us like they do? Uh, oh, and I wow. did it twice, and I bombed terribly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the way that I always explain it is the first time I ever did it, I could have fallen off the stage. I would have gotten off like five seconds later, full of adrenaline. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> like I was just so excited <laughs> to do it. And then one of my, my, uh, improv, 
like people that I was in the group with was doing stand up too at the time, and he told me all the mics to go to. So I just started going, and it was cool because it was like I guess it was 2015. So like in 2014, uh, the guy Angelo Gingerelli who runs all our stuff in the Jersey Shore area in like Red Bank and uh, Long Branch for a decade now, uh, he had started it in like 2014. So I came in like a year later it's still like the impetus like the start of the whole entire like comedy scene oh wow and it's just been you know it's just been there from there and the cool thing was like growing up i was uh held back in kindergarten so i was very much like i was older a year older than everyone in my peer group and then when i started doing stand-up i was the youngest so i'm you know i'm 21 and a half 22 and these people are you know 25 and it's like you know 24 25 and it's it's funny now being you know 29 now and i'm like caught up to the age (laughs) but it was an interesting thing of like i got to really spend a lot of my my 20s like just in that socially with a lot of comedians and it's been really really fun and Really great time. It really helped me a lot, like to find my place sort of socially in that. Yeah, absolutely. I bet it. I bet it did. Um, so the improv sounds fun. Do you still do improv? No, no. I it was fun. I had. I had. I just didn't have many characters I could do. I only had two characters that I really fleshed out, like and tried to do. One was a. Uh, one was like a, like sort of a like camp like. Uh, like a campy like teacher who was like who was who had to deal with a lot of like third graders who were terrible on like a presentation day so you'd be like johnny don't touch that don't touch yourself in the class <laughs> all the parents are here <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that and then the other one i had was like this character that was like a, a vice principal based off of lewis black who was like telling the children not to dance suggestively with each other at the school prom there's like they're fucking like rabbits on the on the dance floor, <laughs> <laughs> but those were the only two that I could really smoke with. I was terrible at doing doing characters and voices, but the one thing that I was great at that I got really good at was just uh, like being on the fly and like if there was a scene or something, like I could I wouldn't uh, like embarrass myself. I'd be able to hang. So. Now it's funny, like, whenever comedians need, like, a suggestion, like, I'm always, like, the first person to have a presentation to use. <laughs> like, oh, just say this random word. <laughs> do you uh, do you think the improv prepared you for stand-up comedy? I think the one thing that it helped me with is failing. It helped me with bombing. But <laughs> That's good. Because it could, but it's also, like, a double-hand sword because I, I learned how to bomb, but I was bombing with a group of people. So it was, so once you're doing stand-up on your own, you're like, shit, this is all my responsibility now. <laughs> yeah. This is my responsibility now. You can't really blame it on anyone else or be like, oh, we didn't do a good job. It's like, no, you did not. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of comics blame the audience. I guess you could do that if you really wanted to. Yeah. I mean, that happens sometimes. I think, <laughs> I think that happens too much. It because way too much. Yeah, because... Because there is, I think it happens way too much because it is possible. It is possible that the audience could just be bad. 
But I always feel like that's an, not an anomaly, but just like, it depends where you are. You know, I always, it, it's funny, uh, I, I don't know how funny it is, but, uh, I, uh, I was at an, um, a mic that I go to usually on Mondays and, uh, they were, we were inside and like, when we're, usually when we're, we do, uh, our mic is very cool because for the past like year and a half, uh, this poetry scene has been around for 10 years that joined us. So like, they are really good audience members and some of them are funny. Some of them have the same personalities as us as comedians. So they're really cool. And, um, but sometimes, but still, the it's a bar, so, you know, people aren't always the best attentive. And our main guy, the main poet, was on tour, so he had a nicer guy sort of hosting. You know, when people host, you have to be, like, aggressive, kind of, to this crowd to get them to, like, you know. Yeah, to pay attention pay to attention stuff. And not, like, not, like, talk over everyone and be, like, he wasn't doing any of that. So it was just a bad, like, night, like, crowd-wise. And was it a poetry everyone, open mic? Yeah, and everyone was freaking out about it. Everyone was freaking out about it, and then like they were complaining about it at first. And I was like, guys, this is not that bad. <laughs> I've experienced like fifteen times worse, <laughs> like, like this. So it's just a thing that. But I think that's all perspective of like me of like, oh, going through so many crappy open mics. You're like, oh, this is a, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's for sure, man. That's for sure. There's so many, so many. There's good open mics, but there's so many bad ones. Yeah, it it, it is, and it's just it's tough because uh, it's it adds up like a lot. Like to me, I was very lucky that like I'm going to be living with my parents again. I mean, moving back in October, but like I've been living with my roommate like ten minutes from my parents' house, and like for two years, and it's been like an adjustment of like having to manage my money and stuff. And it's really tough to go to mics and stuff as much as I want to, because it's like, it's so expensive and it's like, okay. It's like, is this stuff going to be worth it? Like, of course I always go out as much as I can, but it's like, it really gets to you when you're like, Oh yeah, this is, it really makes you realize like, okay, you have to be spending your time like wisely. So I try and go to, to different mics now and, that's my main thing is just going to new places because anywhere I can be new for a little while is like good for me. It's like, okay. And now crowds are coming back a little bit. Like that's the one thing that's great about comedy nowadays. I feel is audiences are coming back. What have gone away when COVID happened. So it's like, that's sort of the upside to people not caring about COVID anymore. It's like, Oh, audience members again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I try to hit open mics before a big show just to get that practice in. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm I'm very envious of probably someone like you who probably gets booked on a lot of stuff. I don't get booked on a whole lot of stuff. And it's not and it's just because like I just think there's there's the same like people. You know, there's like the same fifteen people. They're all great. None of them are assholes. Are you there? Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if it blocked out or anything, but there's like the same 15 people that get booked all the time, and so like it's sort of like when you watch 
WWE and you're like, I'm not in the main event. <laughs> I'm a mid court. <laughs> yeah, right. No, exactly. So like, I feel like that I out here because it's funny because you say that I get a lot of bookings and I do get quite a few bookings, but like, I feel as far as like the Bay Area goes, I'm kind of like, uh, like a like a lower mid carter, you know, like a lower. Yeah, person. It, it's always so hard because I try not to, I try not to make it affect my ego and like affect like, also like how. Yeah. I feel just like it's not what you can control, you know. And me, I my main thing is I never, I never ask to be put on shows. I always want to be like chosen. I never want to, I never want to ask. I never want to get into like, like people's way. I just, I and maybe I should. And it's funny though, because a lot of it is like the grass is always greener. Like you'll want to be booked on shows, and then you'll hear like from people that were on those shows, "Oh no, that show was terrible. We didn't get paid. It was the audience was awful." And you're like, "Oh, okay, it's not as as rose tinted like glasses as I was looking into it." Of like, okay, but still, I would like I had uh, technically like two shows this year, three. Because I had one in, like, six months ago in uh, November of uh, 2022. And then in March and May, I had shows. So, I had shows. So, it was, like, and those were the ones, like, and, and I was just happy because I hadn't been getting booked since COVID of, like, th- two years. So, I was like, okay. I get what I get. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit slow, more slow rolling out. Uh, the more east you go, I would imagine too, as far as yeah. that goes. Because I mean, I feel like COVID was worse the further east you went. You know, oh yeah, New York, you know, it was really bad in New York. Um, tell us about that because you were doing comedy and stuff like that, and then COVID happened, and the we went on uh, quarantine. What was that like for you? We quarantine. I always say we our uh, our scene. We handled it better. We handled it. Better than athletes. That's what I realized. Because I realized <laughs> a lot of professional athletes didn't handle it handle it that well. They wanted to play immediately still. We took three months off and then we started again. And it was actually uh it was actually interesting. We uh we had um this bar that we went to, uh the Brighton Bar in Long Branch, New Jersey. It actually just closed down. Uh they actually just knocked it down in December because of covid uh last summer and it was a a very famous punk bar like very very popular and we turned it into a comedy club technically like it got recognized on like the local newspaper and stuff but like so anyway that got thrown down but when we were there uh during covid after like three months of not doing it we were doing it outdoors and they actually had like i don't know the police or whatever like local police they had like uh this is going to sound nuts, but they had uh, like drones come and like check on the bars to see if people were wearing masks and shit. I've heard and that. We were yeah. the only ones doing it. We were the only, <laughs> we were the only bar following the rules of wearing masks. <laughs> that's crazy. And we're like, oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So they were happy. So like the town was like fine with us doing it because they're like, well, they're wearing masks. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> that's so crazy because like, if somebody wasn't wearing a mask, I mean, how's the cop going to identify who they are? Right. I guess they would identify. I, I guess they could identify the bar that's not enforcing it. Yeah, they're just like, oh, the bar's not following the rules of whatever COVID yeah, is. Yeah, shut whatever. those motherfuckers whatever. down. <laughs> but it's like it's New Jersey, but like, and then a lot of people were doing shows in like 
stuff in like uh on rooftops and uh like uh parks and stuff and i i never did any of that stuff but yeah neither did we uh there was also people doing it in drive-ins, like outdoor drive-ins, to where they were on this little stage area and people were in their cars. And then you could yeah. see the person on the movie theater screen and then oh, you hear wow. them on your radio, like a drive-in movie. Um, yeah. But we never did that either. Yeah, and I never did any uh, Zoom stuff for comedy. Uh, and uh, I always thought, like, the way that I was just explaining it is I'm – so used to performing live and like I need that immediate feedback. Like even when it was just comedians, like the one thing that I kind of how I like worked on material was there's a lot of people that I look up to and that I'm friends with. And like if there's no audience there and there's just comedians, I'm gonna try and make them laugh and be like, okay, this is the material I keep. They think this is good. I can I can do this. But in general, performing in front of other comics you know is is awful. It's yeah. very hard. Yeah, I mean, it's not a comic because you know, as a comedian, it's not a comic's obligation to really pay attention to the, to the show or to the mic. No, we're there to work on our shit, to focus on our material, to do our performance, and then to go outside right. and be social and smoke a cigarette, and other people get married. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it's tough. It's like okay, if I could find out. So when audiences start coming back now, it's like that's the one thing that's tough for me. Is uh, do the one thing that it did was it forced me to write a lot more and do a lot more newer material, which is good because if I just have a recurring audience, like I just, that's my one bad habit is I go into like my usual, like my usual opening set, which is like, which is good, but it's like, you know, I need to work on other stuff. Yeah. I like it. I like it too. When I go, like you said, new places, when I go places and I'm like, okay, great. These people haven't heard my jokes. Right. They're all it's new like, to them. It's all new to them. And it's cool because, like, every time you go to, to see them again, like, you just have so much to dig from. You're like, okay, I haven't done this thing. I haven't, I haven't shown them this whole entire thing in my toolkit of what I can do. And uh, for me, uh, I've been since 2020 i've been writing uh trying to write like an hour material and uh i'm at like i'm at like halfway like 20 minutes but i i uh it's very tough because uh i don't want to you got to put a narrative to it but i don't want to make it like one man show like i want it to be just like pure stand up but it's tough cuz it needs a narrative yeah so I'm calling it the working title that I have for it is what the Dwight is wrong with me. Nice. And I talk a lot about it, just like it's it's some serious stuff, but always just like it's all in like a funny like way. Of course, yeah, it's like, like punches I do like a lot of like just mental illness stuff and a lot of stuff about my autism and just like stuff like that. Just I just can just and the title works super well and it's just like okay if I can, but it's. It just goes to that point again of like I gotta work on it. I gotta write more. Yeah, um, I mean, I, yeah, same. And not get stuck in like, because you can just get stuck on your same set. Like that's the one thing that I had recently, like a couple months of it for a couple months now. It's like I never was consistent. I never was consistently killing and doing well. And 
I've had that recently, but the only bad thing is it feels like you're on autopilot. It's like, oh, I'm not like pushing myself. I can just do this one same set and it just does well <laughs> with these people. And it's like boring to me. It's like, okay, now I want to, I want to do new stuff, but yeah. it's scary. It's like, and I, I get constantly, I'm always in my head. I always, you know, I always have, uh, just these issues with like self-confidence and everything. I'm always like, like, I think that's the one thing that is good about comedy is it always keeps you humble. So like, okay, it's never going to be, you're never going to master it. I think that's the cool thing. It's not something you can ever really feel like you can fully like realize that you can do. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Absolutely does. That's cool. Um, so I almost feel the same way about myself um, because I feel like this year is when I started kind of, you know, uh, clicking at all cylinders a little bit. This year, when I finally started being consistently good performances and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so then when I write new material, I just kind of like just just put it into my stuff. I just kind of throw it in there, work on stuff, right. and change it up a little bit and, and things like that. I try. Yeah, and it's always like I just got to remind myself that I don't always have to start at the same places. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happens to me too. Is I'll be like, "Oh, I just start with this joke, and then I just go into this thing." And it's like, no, there's no like outset rule. You can start with this joke and go into a different one. And yeah, you could write <laughs> it like B D A C if you really needed to. Yeah, you just piece, like it together, you can... piece it together later. Yeah, yeah, but you it's always really do that. And I think the one thing that's just really the one thing that I always have is I can just, especially with the way that like my intro stuff that I do on stage, like when I first get up there is I mention how dog shit my, uh, my um, stage presence is because I don't have stage fright over the years of doing this. I just have really bad social anxiety. So once I can explain that in like 15 seconds, people get comfortable enough to be like, okay, he's awkward as a person. But he knows how to do this. So there's oh, a comfortability. Cool. And I think a lot of it is just thinking until you make it. You know, audiences, no matter if they're there to see comedy or they're not, they just want to know that you're, like, capable. Like, yeah. as long as you think you're capable and you show that you are kind of capable, then that's fine. It's a lot of, like, sharks can sense, like, fear and blood. It's, like, the same thing with audiences. If you're uncomfortable, they're going to notice. Yeah, no, it's true. There's, there's nothing worse than on stage watching somebody who's uncomfortably stammering and not really hitting any punchlines, and you're just like, okay, what was that? Right. And yeah. to me, my big thing is I always have to remember that stage fright is a real thing and that it is a thing that people still deal with. Yeah. Right. Varying levels. To me, I sort of always forget and I have to remind myself to be empathetic and sympathetic towards that. I had straight fright when I first it's started. It's gone away from me. Yeah, I had it when I first started. Yeah, so it's like hard for me to like realize that I'll see that I'll see someone not to own be like, oh, they still have that thing. Which is scary. It is scary to perform in front of other people. You know, it's kind of it's, it's my uh my nephew, my old I have two nephews, one's eight and one's eleven. And the 11 year old is like, he could be an actor. Like he's such an outgoing personality. He's so funny and such like an outgoing person. 
but he started performing, like playing music and stuff. And he's way more shy on stage than he is in public. Usually, usually he's very like, you know, just expressive and like good around being around people. And I talked to my sister, and I was like, "Yeah, because he wants to do well." Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like that's there's not a lot of pressure so, out there so on like shyer than he usually is. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of pressure out there like when you're face to face with somebody, you know, one or two people. But there's a lot more pressure when there's fifty or sixty people looking at you. Right. Yeah. So. How old is he? He's 11? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got plenty of time to go with that. He's so funny. I'm so jealous of how funny he is. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Hell yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Richard, you have a podcast called What the yes. Heck with Richard Dweck. Tell us about that a little bit. So I started that in 2018. Uh, I did like, I guess, for a while. I don't know how long it was. I think it was like a year or close to a year, or maybe half a year. I did, uh, I guess it was like two years. I did, um, I did just a solo podcast, you know, I just, you know, I would ramble and it was, the audio was freaking awful <laughs> the entire time. And, uh, uh, when COVID happened, um, we weren't performing, I started interviewing comedians. And I started with my, uh, with my best friend who did comedy a little bit. He's done like talent shows and stuff and he's my best friend. So I've known him since I was seven. So like we did my podcast and that was like the first interview that I did. And then I interviewed just a lot of local comedians that I'm friends with. And then it just sort of spiraled out where now I've interviewed a couple, like a few, uh, like headliner comics. And like, it's, it's really cool because I don't go through management. I don't do any of that. I just go through, I'll just message them on Facebook Messenger or Instagram and be like, Hey, I'm a comic. Do you want to do my shitty podcast? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> and they're great. But, uh, I'm getting more comfortable and confident with asking. I always used to be so like shy about asking. And yeah. now I'm, now I'm pretty, and it's a, really good. There's a few people who I was like on the fence about asking because, like, I know that they're you know they may they may be like you know friends with me or whatever, but like they're super busy and they're probably not right. going to do it or whatever. I've only had, I've only been, uh, I've had very good experiences. The only thing, I've only had um, two people not uh, not do it, and. Uh, one was like a guy kind of like a TikTok guy who I think was kind of like too big headed to really do it. Yeah. And then the other was a guy who was like uh he he had uh he had really bad social anxiety and didn't want to do it. And I understood totally. I was like, okay, he doesn't like to podcast. He told yeah. me that. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I can totally understand that. But the other guy was like more of a big league type of thing, and I was like, this is kind of stupid. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple people that I asked. I was a little bit nervous about asking, and they're like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And I was like, "Oh, yes, oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool." And then recently, the only person I asked is they don't do a whole lot of podcasts, so they just like fine that they didn't. Do you uh, have you ever watched a Robin Tran? Robin Tran, I don't believe so. They're like a tran. They're a transgender comic, which is kind of funny with her name, but like they're very good. She's very good, but uh. And very successful recently. That's cool. And uh, she said she was too busy to do it. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure because 
a lot of these bigger bigger name comics they're they're always performing they're always super busy you know and i yeah i interview comics and i interview wrestlers and those are some of the hardest people to to get some time with i'll tell you that oh yeah i can imagine like to me i've, I've interviewed other people like i've had a couple of the poets in our scene now that are you know joined in and i've had some a lot of comedians like a few comedians are musicians too so i've had them on to talk about their music oh, and cool. like other stuff and uh uh yeah so it's it's always cool like my thing is my podcast is basically uh it's sort of uh it it's mainly influenced by Mark Maron's podcast and Pete Holmes and like I my main thing with it is the origin story going over how people started who who they grew up watching how they got into comedy how they do it and then that works to have people I have guests on again which is great because my audio is always getting better too so that's one thing to do is have like if I have a new audio system or something it's like I have to have these guests on again so this episode sounds better than the last one <laughs> and <laughs> yeah I, I uh, repeated on your podcast and yeah and it's good because you get to see the progression of everyone because the cool thing with stand-up comedy that I love is it's like living in a TV show. You kind of get to see the characters evolve over the years and change. Yeah, kind of grow up in a way. Yeah. Like I, like I said, like people that I've known now for like almost 10 years, I've met them when, when I was 21, 22. And now I'm close to being 30. And it's like, we get to see each other grow up and we get to, see people evolve not just as comedians but as people too which is really really cool (laughs) and it's like and that's the one thing that i wish was seen more of like i don't wish there was more like tv shows about like like documentaries about stand-up but i think it'd be cool like to show the hang more because there's a real special connection comedians have with each other where we can be so different in like personality and life and we just have this one thing that we're really like connected by yeah, yeah, that's cool. Maybe, uh, maybe that's something you could do. Um, yeah, start the comedian hang podcast or something. Yeah, That'd I'm. I'm hoping to when I'm back with my parents. I'm hoping to start my own mic, but because uh, I, I, I hosted a little bit. I tried to a little bit, and it just didn't work out. <laughs> and it was just the it was more the setup that is more frustrating than anything. It's like, okay, I have to go to this place. I have to set up the chairs and everything and all that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's the stuff I didn't like doing. Well, bring, bring your best friend along. Have him help you. Right. So I was um, like, oh, I do it at my place. I can just do it. So. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, uh, your parents' place. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Because they're letting me turn our, our basement into a podcast studio. So oh, I'm wow. See, then you got people over and do a mic, too. Yeah. So that's what my mom was thinking. I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. That's cool, man. You get, get in the space, your little office space. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, where can and people find could, but... Oh, go ahead. What? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I was, where can people find your podcast and listen to it? Oh, it's on uh, it's on Spotify. It's on Apple. It's everywhere that you can get podcasts. Anywhere that you can get podcasts, you can find it. Uh, new episodes come out every uh, Sunday afternoon like 12 in the afternoon and uh i try and it's it's very 
it's been very different for me lately because I used to just do it every weekend, but now I just, I, instead of like, I was, I wanted to get people, more people on and more people booked on and do more episodes. And I was like, Oh, Richard, you don't have to like make people wait like to the weekend to record them. I can record them whenever. So that's what I do. So I have a lot of things. Like I have a lot of episodes backed up in like that are set to air because I did a lot of interviews during. Yeah, so do we. We uh, we actually, I was like, let's open the floodgates. Let's interview everybody. And I booked a whole bunch. I, you know, I kind of overbooked it, whatever. So we do have quite a few in the can as well. So I know the feeling on that. It's like, you're excited. I usually usually try to after, like, since my birthday is in December, I usually, sometimes I'll do like an episode in December around Christmas. But like, for the most part, like, the winter time is like, December is when I take a break from it. I'm just like, okay, I just cannot burn myself out because that's a big part of it too. Is you know not to get like too over overbooked. <laughs> but, yeah. And I noticed you also do it in seasons too. How do you decide? Uh, which yeah, seasons? so it's like I think first I did like 19 or like 20. Yeah, I do like 19. I do like 20 episodes because that's how it like does it on the app. It's like they they let you pick like seasons to do it. So oh, I was like, I okay. See. So I was like, okay, I'll do 20 episodes for each. And that's why it's, it's so funny. I've been doing it. It's, it's so weird. I've been doing it for, you know, five years, the podcast, but I'm on season 10, no season 11. I'm going to season 12 next and like two episodes. <laughs> like, and every season episodes. is 20 episodes. Because I do twenty episodes each, so wow, I just you know I'll interview twenty people and that's then like, like two hundred episodes. Yeah, so so it's great because it's like okay, I'll get people, you know, and it's always great. It's always cool because uh, people will reach out to me now. Like uh, I got this woman, uh, Helene Witt. Uh, she wrote. Yeah, I'm for, familiar uh, with her. Yeah, she wrote. She's very well known for. Uh, she wrote for uh, Joan Rivers. And Joan Rivers did her joke on on um, Johnny Carson. Oh wow! And, that's uh, like, because that's what they used to do. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, um, uh, King of Comedy. If you've ever seen that movie, I don't think so. But like, that's like a true thing that really happens. Is like, comedian. That's what she explained to me. Is that comedians used to do that? They used to like sort of try and be like pen pals with different comedians, like established comedians and send them jokes and Whoa. they would, you know, either use them or not use them. And she just had one of her jokes was used by John Rippers. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. But uh, she was great. She was just great to have on. And she was on a documentary that's on Peacock. That was like, uh, there's this comedian that, uh, I forgot her name, but, uh, like in Savage Comedian, she did this seminar where she had like elderly comedians uh like do a workshop with her. And she got them like late night host late night spots on like Jimmy Fallon and stuff. Wow. And like really, really cool stuff. So I always love having that. And the cool thing is having people that just are from different places and different states. Like I really want to do comedy in more places. I went to Texas two years ago. Like uh you had him on your uh on your um on your podcast too, uh Cody Webb. Yeah, Cody Webb. Yeah, I, 
I reached out to him and it was just like, he's a Portland guy. And it was just like, I've had him on the podcast now twice and he's, he's really, really cool. And he's really great. Yeah, <laughs> no, he is really cool. Cody and, Webb actually is one of the people that we got pretty close to during the pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I just always think like, if I, that's the one thing that like, I'm happy about is like, like him and like Kelly Wolf is like someone who like, if I go to like Arizona where she is, or if I ever get to go to uh, like Portland area, like I have at least a contact of like a person of like where I could sort of get started at of like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, cause that's more of my, like my main, <laughs> like far away, like pipe dream nowadays is like just to perform in more places yeah. because Absolutely. I, I, uh, I mainly like for my podcast, it's so funny. People, a lot of people in my scene, like they kind of think that I only do like it for New Jersey, which I do do, which I do for to expose New Jersey comics. And I think there's a lot of, you know, it's a very underrated scene, but also I personally, I'm not really a huge, I don't like things stuck here. (laughs) That's my, uh, that's my one like personal, like problem that I sort of have is being in New Jersey for so long. It was like, it just is so restraining. Yeah, you are close to the big cities, though. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I would imagine I've never been there, so I don't know exactly, but I think you are. Yeah. So it's all just, you know timing and everything, and trying to you know, it's life on top of doing stand up, which is just like the hardest thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's no joke. It really is. It really is tough to navigate life. And then to work comedy in there. Cause we didn't do comedy for like three and a half years just because like you just don't do it for the while and you get comfortable not doing it, you know? Right. So that's me. I never want to do again. I want to stay uncomfortable. I don't want to do comedy forever. I love it. Right. Hell yeah. Hey, uh, uh, before we get out of here, do you have any projects or anything you're working on? Anything coming up? No, I just have a whole lot of stuff coming out with my podcast, a whole lot of episodes. Hell yeah. Um, a whole lot of stuff. Uh, I I had you on recently, so that should be coming out soon. I think it came out. But uh, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to uh, plug some social media? Uh, yeah. Um, I am on Instagram. It's uh, R D W E C K ninety three, and then I think. My other Instagram for my uh, podcast is what the heck? What the heck? RD ninety three. Oh, your audio super went out. But uh, is, is it okay now? Yeah, he's on good now. I don't know what happened, but yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. What- I think I just, I uh, didn't have it close enough, but, uh, yeah, so there's that. And, uh, I'm also, I'm still on Twitter on, uh, X, as it's now called, uh, yeah, it's so stupid. Uh, I am too, though. Uh, oh, and he's gone. Uh, thank you, Richard. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we don't know his Twitter handle, but you can find out by looking him on, on Twitter. 
Uh, you can follow me at Funky Sam Medina across the board. And I'm at She Shines for You, all spelled out, no numbers. And everything else is at Hypothetical Comedy. Hey, thank you to Richard Dweck, and thank you to you for joining us. And we will see you at another time. <laughs>